Welcome back to The Storyliner, the show where we turn story listeners into story makers. We're unfolding an ongoing storyline, one chapter at a time, one creator at a time. I'm Daniel Janoff, and this is Episode 5, created with a submission from Ryan Bell, a listener of the show who decided to try his hand at being a writer, with great results in our opinion. Despite having no real writing experience, he decided to create a submission and just send it in, four days before our deadline, I might add. We liked it, revised it, added a couple of new scenes, and suddenly we had episode five. We think it's a really good one. And while that's great for Ryan, and for us, what about the great submissions that for whatever reason don't end up becoming a part of an episode? Glad you asked. I'm going to talk about that, and some plans we're making with those submissions in mind right after we've read today's episode. Previously on The Storyliner. Tiffany gave me a leave of absence. So yeah, that job's over. Either you screwed her in college or a year ago or whatever. I don't care anymore. It was insurance fraud. I agreed to let a guy rob our apartment while we were on vacation. Was he about five feet, nine inches? Shaved head, big glasses? Ava sat on the bed and studied the family tree. Ava looked back down at the paper at her own name and then to the name immediately to the right of hers. Glenn Esposito. This was my apartment in college, and somehow, years after I left it, it looks exactly the way it was when I left it. She immediately looked up at the ceiling, and there it was. A camera so small, it could have been a nail head. On that corner, looking down at his phone intently, stood the man who had robbed their apartment. It was a stupid idea, and I didn't think our dopey cool insurance broker from Bumbletown was going to accuse me of fraud. This footage isn't recorded, Glenn replied, pointing at the window on his laptop. It's live. Marianne waved, and a moment later on Glenn's laptop screen, so did the man on the corner. Glenn stared blankly at the shelves in the back aisle of the drugstore. His mind was racing and then immediately stalling. It had taken him close to 45 minutes to get one tube of toothpaste into his little red basket. Never mind the accompanying toothbrushes. Regardless, he'd managed to fill the basket. Three packs of white undershirts and undershorts, black socks, disposable razors, and every travel-sized toiletry the store had. He hadn't come there to buy any of it, yet there he was unconsciously ticking off the shopping list of a man preparing to make an escape. He'd made this basket before when he was 19, just after seeing Ava for what he'd thought would be the last time. He grabbed a package of white briefs and was about to put them into the basket when his phone vibrated. It was a text from Ava, just an address and a sentence. Need to talk in one hour. To his surprise, he laughed at the sight of the message. He texted her back. I've got an empty apartment, an intoxicated wife, two suitcases, and the clothes on my back. After hitting send, he added, can't wait to share all the details. He put his phone in his pocket and noticed that he suddenly felt lighter than he had in days. Then he glanced down at the package of spackle and the putty knife he'd also placed in the red basket. The sight of them made the lightness quickly dissipate. Ava sat down at one of the booths in the bar. She'd only been here once before and had avoided returning ever since. She had remembered it as a dive bar frequented by college kids. 
because it still had a collection of decades-old rotary phones at each booth. The phones had enabled one table to anonymously flirt with another by picking up the phone and dialing. The phones were still there, and Ava imagined that a few of them likely still worked. However, none of the current bar patrons, mostly well-heeled professionals, seemed to notice them as they gazed into the glassy depths of their smartphones. But then the rotary phone at Ava's booth rang. Without thinking, she picked it up. You look like you could use a beer, a man's voice said. She glanced around the bar and spotted the only person speaking into a phone. It was a man seated in the booth immediately next to hers. He was relatively handsome, wearing a suit, a tie, and a very wide grin. I could use a hundred beers, actually, she replied. The man chuckled and said, Don't think I have that much on me, but I can get the first couple. Thanks, but... She realized that she didn't need to talk into the phone and hung up. I'm meeting someone, she said to him. He hung up his own phone and said, No reason we can't chat over a beer until then. Or maybe a Chardonnay? Whatever, Ava replied with a sigh. I'm too tired to argue. The man quickly called over to the bartender for Chardonnay and then asked her, What's got you so tired? If you must know, Ava said, I just got out of jail. The man slid into Ava's booth as her Chardonnay arrived and said, Really? Guess I'm buying a drink for the right lady then. They clinked their glasses, but the weight difference of his heavy pint and her comparatively light glass caused the foam of his beer to tip onto the table, soaking a folded piece of paper resting in front of Ava. The man immediately hopped up to wipe the paper, but Ava just as quickly yanked it away from him. I'm so sorry, he said. Don't be. The man gestured at the paper as Ava continued to fan it and then said, Did you just have your family tree done? You know what? Ava replied curtly. Let's talk about you. I'm so rude. I didn't even ask you your name. Brad, the man replied. And what do you do for money? Brad, Ava said and glanced down at the family tree. Despite her best efforts to dry it, the ink had already started to run. I work in insurance, he replied. Sounds boring, Ava said. You'd be surprised, Brad said with another wide grin. Glenn returned to their apartment a few minutes later to find Marianne was still passed out on the pile of comforters and moving blankets she'd stacked to create some semblance of a bed. With the exception of Glenn's two suitcases and the carry-on luggage from their vacation, they were still the only items in the apartment. He checked his watch and saw that he had only 30 minutes left until he'd need to meet Ava. He reached his hand into the drugstore bag and removed the spackle and putty knife. He set the rest of the escape kit items in the bag quietly next to Marianne so he wouldn't wake her. He turned to survey the damage he'd have to repair, a collection of holes in the ceiling and walls that ran throughout their apartment. He'd made them before heading out to the drugstore, once he'd been sure Marianne was sufficiently passed out. He dipped the putty knife into the spackle and began to fill the first hole he'd made. The hole was from the first camera he'd found during his sweep of the apartment, and as best as he could tell, it was the only one that had been active. The other cameras, like the first, were all identical to what he thought was his own unique design. Each had been placed and perfectly obscured with care, but never turned on. Their only purpose, it seemed to Glenn as he filled in the holes, was to show him just how great of a fool he was. He checked his watch again and moved quickly to fill the next hole. When he arrived at the bar, Glenn sat down in the booth across from Ava and said, Ava, I think 
Eva cut him off and said, from here on out, it's Abigail. Got it? What? Glenn asked. Shh, it's Abigail. Just go with it. I was getting hit on by this guy a second ago, and I used it as an alias. Okay, Abigail. Is he still here? Glenn asked. He went to the bathroom. Whatever, she said. Are you going to order? No, Glenn replied, and then said, So I realize this is quite odd to be saying, especially in light of our earlier conversation, but I'm now assuming you had nothing to do with my furniture. He winced, then corrected himself. Marianne's furniture. For the record, Ava replied, I didn't want to re-enter your life, and I hadn't been playing any game or playing along or playing anything. I do need to talk to you, though, about something that has nothing to do with whatever insurance fraud scheme she's cooked up. Ava took a sip of her wine, then said, But, no, it turns out I actually do have her stuff. She saw Glenn's face immediately begin to contort, and so quickly continued, Because Marianne put me into a position that I couldn't immediately get myself out of. You, Glenn said, looking down at the table. You have all of Marianne's things. Let me just say, Ava continued, First of all, I didn't know it was her stuff. The stuff from your shoot? Yes, and that stupid print of the shoes that she thinks is so great. All of it. Look, when I'm doing a job, I don't source any of that stuff myself. It's just an assistant who gets it from somebody else. It's either rented or they buy it and return it. I never know from where. Do you have it all? She shrugged and said, What I have is in a storage space. I'll give you the key, and then we can all be done with each other. They were silent for a moment. Then Ava continued. That said, I think the things you've been doing just to get some stupid furniture back have been really shitty. Beyond shitty. What have I been doing? Glenn asked. Ava laughed and said, Fuck you, Glenn. That apartment? My old apartment? I mean, I appreciate you putting in the effort to trick it out exactly the way it was. I don't think I even had any photos of it from back then. Getting all of those details in there? That's pretty twisted. But then, to call the cops while I was there so it would look like I was breaking in? Were there stupid cameras installed everywhere so you could record it? That's, that's evil, Glenn. Ava, Abigail, whatever. Whatever you're talking about, that wasn't me. Who else could it have possibly been? Ava shouted. You tricked me into scouting the very apartment where we had sex, whatever. And then you text me to meet you here, the bar where we first met? I texted you to come here, Glenn said. That's what I just said, Ava replied. After a moment, Glenn asked, May I see the text so you can delete it? Glenn pulled out his phone and showed Ava the text he'd gotten from her phone number. After staring at it for a moment, Ava pulled out her own phone and showed him the text she'd gotten from his phone number. She'd gotten the same message, just the bar's address and the words, Need to talk in one hour. The two texts, which neither of them had sent, were identical. Marianne stirred as the vibrations from her phone pulled her out of sleep. It had been sunny when she'd passed out, and now in the disorientation of the dark apartment with spoiled tequila pounding in her brain, she pulled out her phone to find that someone was trying to FaceTime her. It was Tiffany. The boss who had all but fired her earlier in the day now wanted to have a FaceTime chat. She was about to tap ignore on her phone until she realized that Tiffany had most likely butt-dialed her. The temptation of possibly seeing Tiffany while she didn't know she was being seen was too great to resist. Marianne was wrong, though. 
Tiffany wasn't accidentally calling her. In stark contrast to the dour expression Marianne recalled seeing when she'd been given her leave of absence, Tiffany was now all shiny white teeth, caught mid-laugh as the phone connected. She was wearing the exact hair and dress combination that the two of them had agreed on weeks ago. Through the tequila haze, Marianne realized Tiffany was now at the post-keynote benefit party that they'd been screening suitors for only days ago. Mary Ann, Tiffany shouted excitedly into the phone over the party noise. I can't see you. I'm sleeping, Mary Ann replied. Are you kidding? It's only nine o'clock. Get over here. The benefit? Yes, I've got an extra ticket. I thought I was on leave of absence. Ugh, Tiffany said. I'm over that. You should get over it too and get down here. We are having the best time. Who's we? Oh my God, Mary Ann, the guy. The guy from the executive dating service. Marianne could see Tiffany's image shake as she walked toward the edges of the party, where it was slightly more quiet and private. Marianne, she said, with her expression now serious, I think he's the one. Like marriage? What? No. Jesus, no. Although he does have a certain dark charm, but he's only 23. Way too young for me. Uh, way to bum me out, by the way. But no. He's the one. Like, I think he's interested in buying the company. So get down here. That's in order. He wants to meet you. Me? I know, Tiffany said with a dismissive shrug. But he says he's a big fan of your site. My site? Yes, your site. Congratulations, Tiffany said, starting to sound annoyed. So put on a dress, throw your hair up, and... I'm sorry, Tiffany, but I'm really not up for... You, you want a race? I'll get you a race. Marianne said, I just don't, but Tiffany cut her off. Marianne, maybe I wasn't clear enough the first time. He might buy us, which would make me very happy, which could enable me to make you very happy. Her voice got quieter and darker, an adjustment familiar to Marianne, signaling that Tiffany was about to strike. So get the fuck down here, right Tiffany turned suddenly towards someone just off camera and said in a warm tone, Hey, so sorry for ditching you, but look who I've got. Tiffany handed the phone to her date. It was him, the man with the shaved head and thick glasses, the man she'd colluded with to commit insurance fraud, who'd hidden a camera in her apartment, who was now on a date with her boss. Hi, Marianne, he said with an amused grin. Hi, Marianne said almost inaudibly. I don't know if Tiffany told you, but I'm a huge fan of your work, he continued. Thank you, Marianne replied. Can you come out tonight, he said. I think we've got some business to discuss. Glenn looked up from their phones and finally noticed the unfolded piece of paper that was resting face down next to Ava. It was still wet, enabling him to see splotches of the family tree printed on the other side. Ava saw Glenn looking at it and then decided to flip it over. So I should believe, Ava said, that it was someone else, not you, who left this in the apartment and then had me arrested? Most likely, Glenn said, it was the same guy who wanted me to have this. He pulled a folded piece of paper out of his own pocket and handed it to Ava. She unfolded it and saw that it was his family tree, ending with their two names and a blank space beneath it. After a long moment, she looked up from the family tree to Glenn and said, Did you know I had it? Had him, I guess I should say. 
Once I saw that, Glenn said, gesturing at the family tree. Then I did. Okay, Ava said. They were silent for another moment. Then Ava continued. Then who's pinning up these secret notes and sending out secret texts? Who's doing all this shit? Glenn pointed to the empty space below their two names on the family tree and said, I think it's him. So that's the end of episode five. And unlike other shows where you go finish an episode and simply wonder where the story will go next, with the Storyliner, now you can decide where things should go. We strongly encourage you to start scribbling out some notes and get started on your submission. You'll have just over a week to send it in. You can get all the details on the submission page of our site, thestoryliner.com. But as I mentioned at the top of our show, what happens to those submissions, the typewritten blood, sweat, etc., that aren't selected to become part of our next episode? Well, first, we at the Storyliner have got a plan to put those submissions to good use. I can't get into any specifics here, but it's going to be really cool. We are overcome with gratitude whenever a new submission hits our inbox. And even if we can't use it in the next episode, we're working right now on a solution to showcase your efforts in a very exciting way. I'll talk about that a bit more when we're closer to the end of the season, but again, we're very excited about it. Second, I'd like to address the assumption of blood, sweat, and tears, the level of effort as it relates to your submission. We at the Storyliner expressly do not want you to put a lot of time into it. Now, I realize that runs contrary to how pretty much every good story is made, so bear with me. Unlike writing a short story or novel, this isn't meant to be a solo effort on your part. It's a collaboration. Part one is you have fun just typing out a first stab at the next episode of the story. It's the fun part of writing. Part two is we do the revision part, making sure the finished episode is tight and flowing with the rest of the story. All you have to do is redirect some time you might have otherwise wasted into making something cool. And the length we're talking about here is really no longer than a handful of emails. So please, no hours of outlining, no numerous revisions, no overthinking, no late nights. We want you to focus on the fun part. Just type it and send it. We can't wait to see what you come up with. And it looks like we finally made it to the part of the show where I say, hey there, check us out on iTunes. I also say, help us out by clicking subscribe and writing a review. It helps us connect with more great people like you. What also helps enormously is sharing a link to the show on Facebook. We want all of this great work to find an equally great audience. Keep listening, keep typing, and we look forward to your submission. Music and sound design for our show were composed by Safan Boblil. Logo and sight were designed by The Apartment. This episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Look like an expert right from the start by making your website with Squarespace. Its award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online. Stand out with a professional website, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website.